Good morning. Oh, hello, are you awake? Good morning. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> there you are. I knew you were there. <laughs> are you expecting this morning? I know, I know Zam is, but... Uh, <laughs> are you expecting? There you go. Are you expecting at some point this morning that God is going to slap you around the face and chat with you and speak to you? Expectation is a really big thing. It's an important thing. Uh, And I totally believe and I expect that God is going to and wants to speak to each one of you this morning. Now that could be through what I'm going to talk about in a minute. It could be through the song or it could be something completely different. I remember a few years ago I was preaching on, uh, on patience. I was pe- uh, preaching on patience. And um, I was preaching my little heart out. And I was preaching patience, patience, patience. Really hammering home, you know, God's saying wait and be patient and be patient. And there was a guy in the back row that's, that was crying through it. And I thought, oh dear, you know, the Lord's on him and... Thank you, Lord. And he came up to me afterwards. I said, what was the Lord saying to you? And he said, the Lord was telling me to go and do what he's been calling me to do. I said, but that wasn't my message at all. (laughs) My message was about patience and waiting. He didn't hear a word about what I had said, which, praise God, he was listening to what God was saying. So, you know what, guys? Even if you don't hear anything I say to you this morning, God is still going to speak to you. And he might speak to you about something different, about something that goes on here. So be expectant. Be expectant and wait. A few weeks ago, we went to uh, the men, went to Garden Bay on the Sunshine Coast. Beautiful house. Uh, Martin owns the place there. And he allowed us to, to stay there for the weekend and trash it. Um, no, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't. But uh, I've been uh, telling you that we, we're going to uh, just share a little bit about what went on on the men's retreat. And I've asked Frank to come and do that now. So Frank, why don't you grab a microphone? And as Frank's doing that, Phil's going to show a few uh, censored photos for you as well. It was uh, just a wonderful time uh, to just to get away. Uh, as Trevor has said, we were up at Garden Bay again. Every year, I think, we think, boy, this could be our last year here. Uh, but it just, just keeps going again and again. Martin is so generous with his time, with his hospitality and allowing us the use of uh, his beautiful house and beautiful property out on the waterfront there at uh, at Garden Bay up the Sunshine Coast. Uh, This year there were 14 men, and uh, three of them were first-timers, men who hadn't been with us before, Uh, Chris Kirk, Ivan, and Richard, who is uh, Steve's brother. And so it was just an amazing time. Um, It was a good balance, as it always is, between teaching and learning, a bit of study time, and also just recreational time. 
and time to be alone with the Lord. And uh, this year, uh, the theme was on becoming, living the life that God intends for us as men. And uh, the lessons were on learning contentment, dealing with anger, handling the storms of life, and my favorite, getting in tune with God. And, uh, that, uh, and uh, as part of that, uh, you know, we had the gathering we, together, we watched a video, uh, had some uh, group discussion, and then we split into uh, uh, smaller groups. Uh, Trevor led one group, I led the other. And I have to say the discussion at all of them was just really lively uh, and uh, just very open. And there was a sense of freedom uh, among all the men, I think, just to really, uh, just really speak uh, to their needs and to their, uh, their joys. It was, it was a wonderful uh, time. And um, so it was, it was great. It, it was good. The weather was absolutely perfect. You know, just the best time of year to be up in, in that kind of place. And um, one thing, too, that was uh, different this year and a real blessing for the men was that uh, Laura and Linda uh, came along and uh, did the cooking for us. <laughs> we ate well. Uh, it was wonderful. And I just really want to, and I know all the men just want to thank them uh, for their... Uh, their labors and bacon on our part. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that's right. And um, and person, I'm just going to uh, you know offer a bit of a personal note. I just want to thank Phil for organizing everything or a good part of it. And uh, he just did an, an outstanding job. He had one new addition to the uh, to the event this year. This is our trophy. <laughs> our annual trophy now and uh, does, th does this go to somebody particular Phil or does it okay it stays in the church but uh, uh, yeah this just uh, lists on the side the men who were uh, at the retreat uh, this year and uh, so anyway this is uh, we're, this is our coveted uh, men's retreat trophy <laughs> so <laughs> no it was a wonderful time a real blessing, and most of all, we just really sensed the Lord was uh, was in our midst, and uh, it was great. Can't wait to go back. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Frank. <clears throat> there you go. So if you weren't able to come uh, this year, and you are male of origin, uh, then uh, please... Uh, let us know, and uh, we'll talk to you about next year's retreat when we get round to it. Yeah, shall we? Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. So, um, thanks for that, Frank. There was a quiz show in the UK when I was growing up. I don't think it got to Canada called Mastermind. Do you remember Mastermind? No, okay. So Mastermind, it involved uh, a contestant. There you go. A contestant sitting in a chair with just a bright spotlight on this chair. And they would have to answer quick-fire questions put to them by a stern Scotsman. Is there any other kind, I wonder, Heather? 
Um, but these... <laughs> But these questions that the question master would fire uh, would be on their specialized subject, a topic that they were passionate about, a topic that they had spent their lives studying. And the cool thing was just some of the topics that they chose. Like there was Barry from Basingstoke answering questions on the life cycle and habits of the lesser spotted woodpecker. Cynthia from Chester answering questions on cremation practice and law in 19th century Britain. William from Wilmslow uh, on the banana industry between the two world wars. And Frank from uh, Folkestone on the life and times of Basil Fawlty. Now, these folk could answer any question any obscure question about their chosen subject. I bet they were a barrel of laughs at parties. I, um, I went to, uh, I did a cooking class last Monday. Linda bought me a cooking class for Christmas, and so I went to the Dirty Apron, and I was the only one on my own, because apparently you're meant to go with someone, but I was the only one on my own, apart from one other woman who was there. And so, of course, we got paired up. And what happens is you cook the meal together. And then after each course, you sit and you talk with each other whilst you're eating the meal. So I got to know Louise, who was from Toronto, quite well. Now, Louise, she was a lovely lady. And I unfortunately asked her the question, so what is it that you're passionate about? And she said to me, oh, I'm glad you asked. It's teapots. I said, oh, is it? He said, yeah, I collect teapots. I have done. Let me tell you about my teapots. And so for the whole evening, I got to hear about Louise's teapot collection and the various types of teapots and how they're made. And I got to see photos of them. Louise specialized in teapots. She loved teapots. She couldn't wait to talk about teapots. If you were on Mastermind, what would your specialist subject be? What are you so passionate about that you can't help but talk about it to anyone and everyone? We're being bold at the moment. Uh, We are growing in boldness, boldness in the way we live, boldness in the way we follow Jesus, boldness in our prayers, and boldness in sharing and showing the love of Jesus to our friends and family and the world around us. And we saw last week that each one of us can be bold for Jesus, even if we're the most timid of people. You know, the person that wouldn't say boo to a goose. Because the boldness we need at times does not come from within. It actually comes from without. It comes uh, supernaturally by our God to, to, uh, so that we could do supernatural things for him. Like to defeat, as we saw last week, defeat the me- big, mean, bully, Chris. And today... We're going to look at another area where we are called to be bold. 
bold speaking. How can we boldly speak about the good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives to our friends and our family and our work colleagues? And it's something at the beginning of the year, uh, some of you said, Trevor, I want to know how to, how to do that. How, how can I be bold? What, what does it look like? And our key thought throughout this series uh, is this. Boldness is behavior born out of belief. That's the overriding thing that we've been looking at. And our key thought for today is this. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We'll unpack that in a little bit. We've been looking in the book of Acts over the last few weeks. And in that book, we see that thought played out over and over again. There are so many verses about the New Testament Christians who believed deeply that Jesus, who was dead, was now alive. They had seen him. They had experienced him. They had received his power and his presence through the Holy Spirit. And their lives had changed. And because they believed in this deeply, they spoke about it boldly. Over and over and over again. I'm going to give you just three uh, out of countless numbers of examples in, uh, in this book. Acts 9.28. Saul, you remember the Saul, the guy who was persecuting Christians, uh, even killing them. After he'd been transformed uh, by Jesus, what happened? Where we're told that Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Doing what? Speaking boldly. In the name of the Lord. In Acts 14.3, Paul and Barnabas are traveling in a place called Iconium. And what were they doing there? Well, we're told that they were speaking boldly for the Lord. And in Acts 4.31, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, we just, remember we saw the disciples under really a lot of pressure, extraordinary persecution, and they prayed for even more boldness. And then in, in verse... Uh, 31, it says the place was shaken where they were meeting. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they did what? They spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. Why? Why did all these people speak boldly? Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. In a moment, I'm going to share with you four things, four things about what it means to speak boldly about Jesus. But I I just want to show you one verse that really hammers home this thought about speaking boldly about what we believe deeply. And it's in the passage we've looked at before in Acts 4. You remember uh, what's going on. Peter and John, they've healed this lame man and all the religious people are up in arms about it. Because they've done it in the power and in the name of Jesus, who these religious people thought was dead and buried. So what they do is they put Peter and John on trial and they threaten them and they question them and they, and they, they wanted to imprison them or even kill them, but they were trapped. The problem was there was this guy 
who couldn't walk for 40 years and now he's playing hopscotch. And they didn't know what to do with this guy. Everyone knew that Peter and John had done this. So if the religious people had imprisoned them or killed them, they would have started a riot. So they were in a right pickle. And so in verse 17, they say, you know, we need to stop them doing this. And so they said, we warn them not to speak about this anymore. That's what they say. No more speaking about Jesus. And look at their response in verse 19 and 20. It says, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? Uh, uh, Okay, you be the judges. And then look at what they say in verse 20. I love this. It says, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The two words in Greek translated as cannot help literally means it's actually not possible. <laughs> we, can't, it's, we can't help it. We can't help speaking about Jesus. Because if you had seen what we've seen, if you have heard what we've heard, we've just got to speak about it. If you saw the people that we were and the people that we are now, if you saw the sins he's forgiven, how my life's changed, and now how it has meaning and purpose you know what? You'd have to talk about it as well. If you'd seen the miracles that we've seen, you just can't keep that to yourself. You know what, guys? You can threaten us, you can beat us, you can imprison us, but I'm sorry, but we can't stop talking about it. What Jesus has done. They believed deeply, so they had to speak boldly. And most of us know this to be true, don't we? What about when you get excited and passionate about something? You can't help talk about it, can you? You can't. You you just get passionate about something. You get excited about something. Seriously, you know, get me onto the subject of Brexit. And I am passionate about that, against that. And I will talk to you for hours. And Linda literally has to drag me away from people in the supermarket. Because once they know you're British, that's the first thing they say. Oh, what about the Brexit? Then don't start me off. It's true, isn't it? Because I'm passionate about it. Maybe for you it's a movie. Maybe it's a movie that you've seen. You've just seen and it's the best movie ever. What do you do? You want to talk about it. I tell you, I saw Paddington 2 recently. And that is one of the best movies you should ever... Seriously, if you've not seen it, not quite as good as... uh, uh, Paddington 1 wasn't as good. But Paddington 2 is fantastic. But you want to talk about it. Or what a bit if you've been to a new restaurant... And this restaurant, they've served you the most fantastic food. What do you do? You write reviews about it. You speak to people. But I've got to tell you about this place that I've been to. Maybe it's, 
Maybe it's about um, your favorite song or your favorite music. Music, you know. Let me tell you about Dark Side of the Moon. And that's what's happening with the disciples. There are some things that you cannot help talk about. And and when you've seen what we've seen, when you've heard what we've heard, and you realize that Jesus was dead and now he's alive, and that changes everything. You, You can threaten us all you want, but you need to understand that Asking us to stop talking about it, well, that's impossible. So what does it mean to speak boldly? Four things about what it means to speak boldly because we believe deeply. First one, because we believe deeply, we need to speak boldly to ourselves. Because I believe so deeply about what Jesus has done, there are times that I need to speak boldly to myself. Okay, this first one seems a bit weird, I know. And normally you get locked up for that sort of thing. But let me explain what I mean. It's actually what David did. In 1 Samuel 30, uh, verse 6, look at it. It says, David was greatly distressed. There was tons of stuff going on and he was really worried and people spoke of stoning him and, uh, and all of that. But notice what it says there. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He basically preached himself a sermon. He encouraged himself. He spoke boldly to himself. I don't know what he said. We don't know. But he might have said, you know what? Things look a bit desperate. But, you know, I remember the time when I was looking after the sheep and God gave me the strength to kill the lions and the bears. You know what? He can give me the strength now. He might have said, you know, things are tough and I'm lacking faith at the moment. I just... But I remember when God gave me the faith to stand up against that big giant. You know, if he gave me faith then, you know, he can give me the faith I need now. Whatever it was, I don't know, but he preached to himself and he encouraged himself. He spoke boldly to himself. And there are times when you and I need to speak boldly to ourselves about what Jesus has done in our life. And what he will continue to do in our life. See, maybe you're feeling lost and alone at the moment. Well, maybe you need to speak boldly to yourself that, you know what? He's promised that he'll never leave you or forsake you. Maybe you've got babies and kids everywhere and diapers and dishes and domestic duties and everything's going on. You need to boldly preach to yourself, you know what? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You're overwhelmed at your business. There's too much. You need to preach to yourself. You know, when I am weak, he's strong. You know, when you're worried and fearful, you just preach God's word to yourself. I, I will not be anxious about anything. 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, I'm going to submit my request to God and let the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, fill me. Sometimes you just have to preach to yourself. People, do you know that you are preachers? You are. You are. Stand in front of the mirror and speak to yourself. Speak boldly to yourself. Some of the best sermons I've ever preached, I've preached to myself. Seriously. I preach so good sometimes that I give myself an offering. (laughs) I take up an offering. But you see, and this is the important point, if you don't believe it deeply for yourself and speak bold words to yourself, you won't be able to speak it boldly to other people. You won't. This is one of the biggest problems I have standing up here in front of you every week. Apart from looking at your faces. You see, the pastor is expected to give gems of biblical insight and encouragement And sometimes underneath, I'll be honest with you, I'm thinking, do I really believe that for my life? You know, and if if you have integrity, like, it's difficult to fake it. (laughs) It really is. Sometimes I have to speak these words boldly to myself. To be honest, most of my sermons are preached to me. I, <laughs> I get here early on a Sunday morning and I run through my sermon a few times. Not because I want to polish it, but a lot of the times it's because I need to hear the message first and believe it myself first and hold it into my life first. Before I can say it to you. See, I need to hear it. I need to speak to myself boldly first. We go to, uh, mentioned before, we go to spin class on a Friday night. And my spin teacher, Sharla, bless her. Um, uh, she may be listening because I told her to listen. She, she's not a believer. She's not a Christian. And I said to her, Because she comes up with some great quotes. And I said, every sermon now, after the Friday, I'm going to try to include your quote in that sermon. And she said, really? I said, yeah, but only if you listen. (laughs) So, Sharla, if you're there. She said, you teach best what you most need to hear. God can speak through donkeys and spin teachers. You teach best what you most need to hear. Maybe you need to speak boldly to somebody something that you need to hear first. Anyway, speak boldly to yourself. City View, start boldly speaking to yourselves.
You have my permission. Second point about speaking boldly. Because I believe deeply, I can't help but speak bold words of encouragement. Because of what I know and have experienced about Jesus in my life, I can't help but encourage other people. I'm telling you, and I believe with all of my heart that the body of Christ, we as followers of Jesus, should hands down be far in a way, the most encouraging people on the planet Earth. Seriously. Scripture says this, Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another. How often? When you feel like it. Once a month. You know, hardly ever. No. That might be what we experience. But no. Encourage one another Daily, every single day, as long as it's called a day, as long as there's a why in that day, you should encourage one another, using God's word to lift people up. But, but Trevor, unfortunately, I don't have the gift of encouragement. I've been born a pessimistic, miserable, condescending so-and-so. Just who I am. Well, you know, if that's you, I have a word for you from the Lord. It's not that word. It's tough. Because if you believe deeply in the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, and you've experienced that in your life, you cannot help but boldly speak words of encouragement. We all need words of encouragement. Every year on the 1st of November, it's the Josh family anniversary. It's the day we arrived in Canada, and we always have a big celebration as the Josh family. And each year, I write a card for each of my children and for Linda. And on one side of the card, I write four things that I love about them. And then on the other side, I write four things that I'm going to be praying for them in the coming year. And I give them to them. And you can imagine as the kids were growing up as teenagers. Oh, Dad. Oh, that's so cheesy, Dad. Oh, why do you have to do that? But even now, they still ask about these cards. Are we going to get a card this year? And I was sorting out some stuff of Sam's that, that he had left behind. And um, Sam never keeps anything. He's a typical boy, throws everything away. doesn't. And, and in there I found this stack of cards that I had sent him, that he had kept. Why? Why did he keep those cards? Because we all need encouragement. Yeah, but you know what? Not everyone needs words of encouragement, do they? Some people are not that needy, Trevor. Oh, I am dripping with sarcasm today, aren't I? Wow. It's pouring out of me today. You do not know how much Words of encouragement, words of appreciation are needed sometimes. 
Even the person that seems to have it all together. You know the guy that is always happy? Never complains? They need to hear them. If you're a boss, how often do you encourage your staff? Say what you appreciate about them. If you don't, they'll they'll leave. So many surveys say that uh, show that people list appreciation above even salary when it comes to job satisfaction. Comes above everything else. When you're talking to friends who don't know Jesus, speak bold words of encouragement. Maybe even today, you're going to see somebody today, and God is going to prompt your heart, and you're going to go up to them and say, look, actually, I don't really know you that well, or I I don't really know you at all, but um, I believe that God wants you to know this. And you're going to lift somebody up with a word of encouragement, because when you believe deeply, you have to speak boldly. And I pray you and this church raises up to, to be the boldest encouragers on planet earth. We have to be people of encouragement. Okay, so we need to speak boldly to ourselves. We need to speak bold words of encouragement. And then a third thing. Because we believe deeply, and this one is not nearly as much fun, we need to lovingly correct. There are times when we love people so much and we believe so much in what God can do in their lives that we have to lovingly correct them. Now, I want you to notice that I said lovingly. You don't go out and be a jerk in the name of Jesus. Don't think you're being bold by going to the pride parade holding up some sign saying, You're going to hell! That's not bold. That's just stupid, okay? Or go onto Facebook or Twitter and post some stuff about how evil people, you know, maybe with people with tattoos or piercings or or whatever your pet peeve is, are condemned. They need to turn or burn. That's not being bold. That's just being an arrogant bully. Boldly and lovingly correcting someone happens best when you love them deeply. When in a relationship of trust, you you see that someone's actually heading off the cliff. And their life's a mess and, and they don't see it. Counseling someone at the moment, not at this church. Counseling someone at the moment that... She has a, a victim mentality. Uh, you know, if you've come across people like that, and I've been doing a lot of reading about it, people playing the role of victim, they, they wallow in their pain, and, and the perception is that the whole world is against them. And it shields them actually from taking responsibility for anything themselves. It's not my fault. And they're looking for people to feed that identity. Now, Now, I've spent a long time with this person, and I'm coming to the point where I'm thinking, if I I love them, I love them so much that I actually need to correct them. 
I need to, rather than sit in the pity party, I need to try to move them forward. I need to try to get them to see what's happening in their life. Because they, they can't see it. And you, and you know what? I know that's going to be painful. And I know that's going to be confrontational. And quite possibly, it will harm the friendship. But I love them too much to let them carry on over the cliff. You see, it could be that you know someone who's addicted, or you know, addicted to drugs, or pornography, or alcohol, or work, or, and everyone seems to be ignoring it. You know, well, it is what it is. But if you believe deeply that Jesus can bring wholeness and healing, then you'll speak boldly. You're going to come alongside and say, you know what? I'm here. I'm actually no better than you. But I'm here because I love you. And I can't stand seeing you spiral down. I'm going to get you help. I'm, I'm going to stand by you and together we're going to get through this. I love you too much to let you hurt yourself. And so you correct Lovingly, but boldly. Why? Not because you're better, but, but because you believe deeply. Believe deeply that Jesus can bring life to that person, that he can bring healing to that person, that he can transform that person. And when you believe deeply, you've got to speak boldly. Okay, last thought. Because I believe deeply, I can't help but boldly point you to Jesus. I can't help it. That, it's what the disciples said, wasn't it? You can beat us, you can lock, lock us up, you can threaten to kill us, but we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard about Jesus. You see, when we speak boldly, we're not speaking bold advice. It's not just good advice. It's not just something we read in a book. We speak boldly about what we've seen and heard and experienced in a person. Jesus. You've got to meet this person, Jesus. You, you've got to come and see. When I first met Linda, I, I couldn't stop talking about Linda. She was the best thing that ever happened to me. And, you know, I couldn't stop going around people and saying, I've just met this girl. She's so pretty. She's so intelligent. You know, she's got it all together. And they said, well, why is she with you then? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I couldn't stop talking. And I couldn't wait for them to meet Linda. And so I would come up and say, this is my Linda. I mean, it's incredibly creepy. <laughs> incredibly creepy. But I, I couldn't help it. And we speak boldly about Jesus and what he's done in our lives. Because we want people to meet Jesus. Don't we? That's what it's about. It's not that I've actually got some great advice for you. 
And so I really feel as though I need to speak boldly in, <laughs> into your heart right now. No! You want them to meet. Come. It's not me. Come. What he's done in my life. Come meet Jesus. Funny thing happened last night on the way home from church. I love how God does this. The timing is amazing. So I've been preparing this message all day yesterday at the church here. And I'm walking home. And I passed a guy on commercial drive by the park, um, uh, which park is it, Grandview Park or something on commercial drive there? Anyway, and he was speaking boldly. He was a young guy and he was preaching on the street. He was telling everyone that the end is nigh and you're all going to go to hell. Anyway, I stopped and I listened for a while and he was reeling off all these King James Bible quotes and using all these big religious words. You need to be washed in the blood, sister. I'm thinking, oh my giddy aunt. And he's getting really worked up and I tutted and I started to walk away when something awful happened. I had one of those God moments. (laughs) You know when he slaps you around the face and he gets your attention, he says, Trevor, what are you doing? Going home. (laughs) He said, what have you just been preparing all day about? Speaking boldly. I said, I know. He said, be bold, Trevor, go speak to him. I hate it when God does that. I so hate it. Anyway, you know, he plays the you're a pastor, don't be a hypocrite card. You know, that that one. (laughs) All right. So eventually this guy stopped. He calmed down and I I went up and I spoke to him. I said, hi, Trevor. Just, uh, I said, tell us a little bit about why you're here. And he was telling me that he had nearly died on the street. He had been uh, a drug addict for years. And he said a friend of his got hold of him, uh, took him to uh, a place uh, that got him cleaned up, and they spoke about this guy, Jesus, and how it had changed their lives. And he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I... I I heard all this, and I saw them, and and I wanted to give my life to Jesus, and I did. And he said, my life has not been the same since. My life has totally and utterly changed. And all I wanted to do was tell everyone about it. So he said, my friend gave me this script. And so I learned it off by heart, and he told me to go and read it and go and preach that out on the street. He said, and that's what I'm doing. He said, but no one's listening to me. And I said, what what do you really want these people to have? He said, well, I, I just want them to meet the same Jesus that I met. And I said, well, that's great. Why don't you just tell them what he's done for you? Why don't you do that? 
Tell them what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced about Jesus. And then point them to him. I don't know whether he'll do that. (laughs) But you see, this guy spoke boldly because he believed deeply. He didn't need a script. He didn't need all the fancy religious words. He just needed to say to them, come see Jesus. If you just knew who I was just a few months ago and how much filth I had, if you had any idea what God has forgiven me of and how much he's transformed me from this angry, bitter, unfaithful, lying person to by the grace of God and only by the strength of God into the man that I am now. If only you had seen that, then you would know why I can't stop talking boldly about Jesus. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you believe deeply what you've seen and heard and experienced about Jesus in your life? Do you believe deeply that he can bring life? That he can bring healing? That he can bring transformation? That he can bring peace? That he can bring wholeness and forgiveness? That he can take away guilt and shame? That he can bring purpose and meaning? Do you believe that deeply? Because if you do, if you know that to be true, if you've experienced that in your life, then you will go and speak boldly. You'll speak bold words to yourself. You'll speak bold words of encouragement. You'll speak bold words of correction. And you'll speak bold words pointing people to Jesus. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Let's pray. Have you been expecting God to speak to you today? Now, it actually may not be anything to do with what I've talked about. But what is it that he's spoken to you about this morning? What is it that he's saying to you this morning? Maybe maybe it is just words of comfort. Maybe you need to know that person in your life. Maybe you need to know Jesus in your life so that you can be like these people just full of of joy and boldness. Maybe he's <laughs> telling you to speak boldly to yourself at the moment. Maybe there's something that you have forgotten about him that you need to hear about him and what he's done in your life. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to give words of encouragement to someone today. Maybe you've been putting off trying to lovingly correct someone who's falling off the cliff at the moment 
and you just want to steer clear. Maybe that's what you're doing. Or maybe there's someone that you need to point to Jesus. Father, I thank you that you, any meeting with you is never neutral. That, Lord, it always produces a reaction. And, and so, Father, I thank you that you're here by your spirit this morning and that you've been speaking and moving amongst us. And, Lord, I pray that whatever it is you need to say to us today, that, that we would have hearts to hear you. And, Lord, give us, give us the boldness we need to go and speak Speak to ourselves, speak to others, speak encouragement, speak correction. Whatever it is, Lord, give us the boldness today, we pray. Thank you, Jesus.